This episode of Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast is brought to you by Hoosier Devil, supporting and promoting Roots music in Western North Carolina and beyond. Owned and operated by Maggie Rainwater, Hoosier Devil offers a variety of services, including graphic and web design, publicity, and social media management to promote your band, album, or event. Visit them on social media or at HoosierDevil.com. That's H-O-O-S-I-E-R-D-E-V-I-L.com. Hoosier Devil. Welcome to Walls of Time, field interviews with the best in bluegrass. Few banjo players have impacted American music like Sonny Osborne has. The Osborne Brothers' success includes multiple country radio hits, working with Merle Haggard, international tours, being members of the Grand Ole Opry, winning a CMA award, and induction into the Bluegrass Music Hall of Fame. Sonny's banjo playing is some of the most influential in bluegrass music. In part two of this interview on Walls of Time, Sonny shares his thoughts on bluegrass and banjo playing, behind-the-scenes stories about the mighty Merle Haggard, and opens up about his struggles with addiction. Let's rejoin Daniel Mullins on Sonny Osborne's back porch during a rainy afternoon for the second half of our conversation with Bluegrass Hall of Famer, Sonny Osborne. Of all the performers you've seen at the Opry and on the mid-country package shows, who, who, who captivated the crowd more than anybody? I mean, you, you saw Hank Williams encore seven times. That had to be up there. But who uh, who really has kind of just laid it on him? Merle. Merle. Merle Haggard would be one. Uh, Wilburn Brothers could do pretty good, too. Yeah. They really could. Doyle did these recitations, and he'd do this gospel stuff, and he was good at it, very good. But Merle, uh, he just had a, he had something, it. Yeah. That's what he had. He really did. He had it. He sure did. Uh, And when I first heard him sing, I really, I just, and this was in the mid-60s, I just loved his singing. He and uh, Bonnie did a song called Just Between the Two of Us, oh, I think yes. it was. Yeah. Is that what it is? Just yeah. Between the Two? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, man, I, I love that song. And uh, and we were going to play somewhere in Pennsylvania with him. And this is 60, probably 67 or 68. And uh, I thought to myself, you know what? I've met so many of these guys, and they're just, they're just no good. They're just big-headed and all that. And I, I really think so much of his, I don't really want to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't want to be let down. No, yeah. I didn't. I did not. And I didn't meet him either, not until later. And um, we played for a guy up there named Jim Clark, and it was raining. And uh, I had told somebody that I didn't want to, meet Merle because of that and uh, I didn't until that point so I'm sitting there on our it's either motorhome or bus maybe an old bus or motorhome I guess it was and uh, knock on the door and it's raining now and he went, I went to the door or one of them did and it was Merle and he had walked from where he was down here, parked over here to this one. He'd heard 
the thing, you know. And he yeah. said, I just thought I'd come over here and see what you boys are doing. <laughs> and it was, it was, I thought, man, he's a pretty good guy. Yeah. And then we worked for him uh, from 71 until 75. Um, wow. Opened the show for him, you yeah. know. And uh, he was a really funny thing because... Every night when we would get done and go out and do our little 20 minutes, you know, and nobody cared one way or the other. But uh, I always got a chair and set it right as close to that stage where Merle was singing there as I could. And you could get 10 or 15 feet behind him. You couldn't hear him. Yeah. He just knew how to work that mic. So, oh, well. Boy, it was just, just a good thing right there. What was that like getting to put bluegrass music in front of all these big crowds that had probably really never been exposed to it very much before? Uh, different. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Um, it did what we accepted those, those terms, I mean, a lot cheaper than we should have. Yeah. Um, but we did it. Because we wanted to get to those venues, the, the yeah. Salt Lake City and Denver and and uh, San Francisco. I mean, you name it. Lots of new markets. The yeah. biggest places you can, Madison Square Garden. I mean, you name it. And we played there with Merle. And, uh, but that was, and, and you know, you're talking about fifteen to 25,000 people a night. Yeah. And we, we did that for four years. And uh, it helped us understand what we were trying to do, and 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 then uh, that was we played electric our instruments were amplified at that time had to be or they couldn't hear you. No yeah, big old absolutely. And uh, it really it it didn't change anything, but it put us in a different category it really helped separate you guys from the the other band other bluegrass bands at that time i think the other bluegrass bands resented us too yeah i felt it what were some uh what were some ways that you felt that resentment they just it was almost like they just blocked us out i mean you know they they wouldn't when we go play a festival after that it was a long time before him would speak to us or want to go to the concession stand or thing. It was a long time after that, but we didn't care because we drew most of the people that was there. Do you think you know? that that resentment came, was born out of jealousy? Yeah, hundred percent. So they just made up things like they think they're better than us, yeah. but even though they you didn't. yeah, that was that was a hundred percent, absolutely. That's what I thought. And, uh, of course, it just, we dressed better, we looked better, and we sounded better than most of them, in my mind. Yeah, yeah. That might have not been true, but in my mind, that that's what I thought. And you're also making more money than most of them do. And we're making three times more now. Yeah. <laughs> and we go to the bank every Monday. <laughs> but that's a bad way to look at it, really. You should be able to help your fellow man. Yeah, but <laughs> but y'all y'all worked hard to to get to where you were. It, we sure did. It's not like y'all had it handed to you or anything like that. We sure did. No two ways about it. Uh, 
and our records at the time we worked for Merle, they just they were really good selling records, you know. Do you have any regrets from uh, your time in the music business at all? Yeah. Uh, this is something that most people won't understand, but <clears throat> I got hooked on every vice that's known to man. Mm-hmm. Just gullible, I guess. And uh, I wish I had not done that. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about alcohol, speed pills, and you name it, you know. And I wish I hadn't done that. But I got uh, straightened down to probably... Well, we worked for Merle in 1968, mm-hmm. and Roy Nichols was the greatest guitar player I thought that ever lived. He was the real deal. He was the real deal. And uh, I made it my point to get to know Roy and be friends with him, and I did. And uh, we played a place between Baltimore and Washington. I can't remember what it was. And uh, I tried to get Roy to go have a drink with me. And I was already into it pretty good. And he kept refusing, and and I, I'd see him next, uh, see him in the hall or something. Let's go have a drink. And he said, "I want to talk to you." And so we got into a room up there, and he said, "I was arrested for, I think it was public intoxication or something like that," and he. He said, I've been off of it for six years. And he said, I got so bad that they put me in jail and would let me out on the weekend to go to work and I'd have to go back in jail Monday. And he said, I lost everything I had, a house, family, car, everything I had, I lost it on account of alcohol. And he said, now, here's another thing. In your mind, I know how you're thinking right now. In your mind, you're thinking you can really play. But he said, I got news for you. You ain't playing worth a blank. And boy, that just floored me right there. Especially from someone you really respect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, so... As time went on that night, I got worse, you know, and and I got in the back of the bus and and uh, I guess I passed out. But I woke up the next day and I had a there was a mirror on the back of the door that led to my room on the bus. It was in the back, the back end of the bus. And I got up and looked in that mirror and. Uh, I saw somebody that I didn't recognize. I mean, I looked like I had aged 40 years in my mind overnight. And I said to myself, Lord, if you will help me get out of this, I won't ever be here again. Mm-hmm. And that's the last drink that I took until, oh, 2007 or eight, mm-hmm. 40 or 50 years. Yeah. I was off of it. 
Uh, but then, uh, it was long about after that sometime, and we got we got really hot. I mean, we, and we were playing one one year. We worked two hundred and ninety days. Golly day! And I mean, it's unreal. And uh, oh, Bobby's son Wynn kept track of every date that we played from 1960 to 1978. And from 65 to 78, let's see, is that right? For 13 years, we averaged 182 days a year. Wow. And, uh, and that's a lot. That's, that's a whole bunch. Well, that's about every other day, yeah. you know. And and so we we worked hard, but anyway, we had played in Oklahoma, and then was in Jackson, Mississippi, the next day, and I had driven all the way, and I'm I mean I am absolutely just worn completely out, and I had two shows to do there, and then another six hundred miles that night, and uh, man. And I was doing probably 85 to 90% of the driving at that time. And uh, Loretta Lynn's driver came up to me and he said, man, you look bad. And I said, Les, I think was his name. I said, I, I feel pretty bad too, I'm tired. And he said, I got something that'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, um, how soon can you get it you, to me? You were probably willing to try anything. I would point. have taken a button. Yeah. <laughs> I would have. If they said a button would help you, I'd have taken it because I, I was in bad shape. Yeah. And, uh, and so he gave me, uh, and I think it was... There's two or three different kinds. There's, there's a red and black capsule. There's a solid black one. It's called a black snake or West Coast turnaround. And there is a thing, pills called the old, old yellow. Um, Benzedrine, that's the white cross thing. And uh, you learn all this stuff. They had one called the grasshopper, and it was green and white, of course. But he gave me the black... The black beauty, yes, <laughs> and uh, oh, it just—I just woke up. I mean, just—I just woke up. It speeds your system up. But also, at the same time, if you're playing, and uh, the singer sings one line, and then. Between that line, first line and the second line, there may be a little fill hole there that's maybe a, a half inch wide. That's yeah. for you to put notes yeah. in. You know. notes. Yeah, like All of a sudden, it becomes a foot wide. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can hear things that I never dreamed of before. Yeah. And uh, so I told this guy later, I said, where do you get those things? And he told me, and uh, I proceeded to get a few of them and uh, I was I did that for oh 
I guess 68 or 69 probably is when it first started, maybe 70. And uh, I did those things until, and that's it, what killed Presley. Yeah. And so when he died, I thought, nope, I better do that something was the wake about up call. I better do something about this now. And uh, so I got completely clean. I say clean. I sound like a dopehead. But I actually, I guess I was a little bit. But I got completely clean about 1980, 81, and through that. Awesome. And so, yeah. And I didn't have to have help either. I did it myself. And cigarettes, I got on that stuff too. (laughs) (laughs) You said that the the pills you know, helped to keep awake while driving, and then slowed down the picking. Um, what were some of the side effects? Were there any? Uh, but that was that you know that was the positives. What were some of the, the, the and see the side effects though is what you don't you don't feel until it's too late, yeah. and it's kidneys and and just all stuff like that. It messes your whole inside thing up. Did it and beca- that's what killed Presley. Did it become, you know, because they would, keeping you awake so you could drive and slowing down the picking, did it make, uh, when you came off of the pills, did it make the, did you feel tired, sluggish? Was it hard to stay awake without them? We weren't working as much. And so I didn't really, I didn't really notice it too much. By 1980, we were in pretty good shape. And uh, and Bobby had bought a farm, and I had a house, and everything was paid for. Nobody owed anybody anything, and uh, and we weren't working as as hard because we were just picking the best dates there was to work. Yeah, the did. ones that paid the most. You, that's what we played. You didn't. You, we didn't have yeah. to play phone booths. Yeah, anymore. Did. You'd be selective. You could pay fewer dates for more money. Yeah, yeah and, and then, so, we slowed down. It didn't matter then that much. Okay. And, uh, but it sure was fun. It sure was fun. That, the music, I mean, and I can listen to some, I can't remember one record right now that, where I got to thinking, how did I do that? I don't remember doing that. And it seemed like it was Georgia Pony Woods. Anyway, I did a thing back here with with the right hand, and I, I listened to it right now, and I still don't know where. I have no idea. No idea. The pattern is completely wrong. And and it leaves you in a when you get done with that one lick, it leaves you in a, a really weird in place. In a mind, yeah. And but it it really worked like a charm from the stratosphere somewhere. <laughs> it just and uh, I just did a thing with uh, Allison Brown, and uh, Allison did Georgia Pinewoods, <laughs> <laughs> and she got down to that place and she said. Uh, what did you do right there? <laughs> it's a, a, where you go in from a, a one chord into a four and the, from G to C. So 
And when you go into the sea, it's just a thing to little, little, like that. And I, I told her, I said, I don't have any idea. <laughs> no idea in this world. And she did a thing there when she played it. She did a thing there. It, it wasn't the same, but it was almost it's the same. It's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. it was. <laughs> I'll tell you something else I learned, too. When I was playing, in order to take the thumb pick and turn it sideways and pull up on it like that. You use it like a flat pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tony Trisker was playing something. I don't know what it was. He said, how'd you do that? And I said, you turn that thumb pick. He said, really? I said, yeah, just turn it over that way and you use it like a flat pick. And he said, where'd you get that? I said, Chester Atkins. Because he did. Chip would yeah. just take, and he could play. And Tony said, hmm, really? <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. Those guys could. Bela Fleck is the most amazing musician. And I, and, I mean, he's, he really stands out above everybody because he, he plays a different, whole different ball game. He thinks of it differently than everybody mm-hmm. else. He's a jazz musician is what he is, mm-hmm. and playing the banjo. Yeah. He's a jazz player playing the banjo. He's good. Women love men who care about their hair, and nothing makes a man's hair look better than Samson's hair care. Hi, I'm Santana Bell, and let me tell you, Daniel Mullins' hair was a mess before he started using Samson's. Trust me, I'm his girlfriend, but Samson's has made a world of difference. It holds all day. Even after a day of riding roller coasters, his hair still looked great. I couldn't believe it. But even with the all-day hold, I could still easily run my fingers through his hair without it feeling stiff or greasy. But the best part is the smell. It's not over powering, but it gives off a distinctive, pleasant aroma that lasts all day. Honestly, a man could stop wearing cologne as long as he wore Samson's. It smells that good. Head to samsonshaircare.com to get some hair pomade for the man in your life. Neither of you will be disappointed. Use code bluegrass at checkout to save 10%. That's samsonshaircare.com, code bluegrass to receive 10% off. samsonshaircare.com, code bluegrass. What's it like for you to see pickers that are drawn to to your style of banjo playing and then carrying that on to new to new audiences and new generations well i hear some things that i did first way back in the 50s background things and things like that i hear that and i i know what Whoever's doing that, I know what they had to do in order to learn to do that. Yeah. Because they couldn't just do it without doing the same thing I did to learn it. Yeah. And so it just kind of, you know, what do they call it, evolution? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, it, it pleases me to be recognized. Of course, we're all like that. But to be recognized, it pleases me a great deal. Um Guys come here to to the house sometimes, and they'll sit, and I don't play at all anymore. Mm-hmm. I had rotator cuff surgery in 2003, and I haven't played the banjo since then. Yeah. I can't move my left arm right. and uh, But they come here and play, and, and it's I enjoy it. I yeah. do that, but uh, I read a whole lot. I read... Probably two, two books a week. Wow. 
something like that. What do you like to read? Mystery. Mysteries? Yeah. Who's your favorite mystery writer? Oh, I don't know. I've got one guy named Pettit that has written some westerns that is pretty good. It's terrible writing, but the stories are, are <laughs> the stories are good. <laughs> are pretty good. Um, I like John Grisham a lot. I like, Dad likes him a lot. I like John Grisham, and he doesn't write mysteries, but what he does is that he his research is just outstanding. Yeah, I think. But I I used to, I liked him a lot, a whole lot. What do you think uh, made your style of banjo picking so different and so unique? Uh, and ever since I started, I've been whatever Earl Scruggs did. I wanted to do that mm-hmm. because I thought Earl had the best right hand I had ever seen, and so it, <clears throat> I thought if I could get my right hand to do what he can do with his right hand, I won't. Ha- I can play anything I want to. Yeah. It'll do anything. And so I studied him. I mean, I studied him. You can't believe. And practice, I, it was just an obsession yeah. more than anything else. It was something I had to do. And so, but then he recorded uh, Randy Lynn Rag, and he missed a note or two and it got me to thinking if if he goes down I'll go down too you know and so I got to thinking what can I do to change that because my, by that time my right hand was in pretty good shape yeah. I could do about what I wanted to with it and it would do everything I told it to if I could if I could hear it I could play it and so I got to thinking, well, why don't I start listening to... That's got to be an exciting place to be in. It is. Yeah. To realize that you've accomplished that, you know. Yeah, it, it's, but you can, it's really, if you can think of it, you can play it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If, I could, if I could hear it, I could play it. And, uh, and I'm talking about anything, any tune that you wanted to, if I could hear it and understand it, I could play it. Understanding is more anything. Yeah. But... Uh, I got to listen to electric guitar players, steel players, Buddy Emmons. I learned so much from Buddy. Um, sax players, piano play, anything, 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 any other instrument. And I heard that I liked what I heard, I w- and I learned to do that. And so, a little by little, it went from Earl to that. And I had, I've always had the ability to. If I heard something today, I'm talking about three notes in a song. If I heard that today, it could be 10 years from now if I had a song that I think that'll fit. Yeah. And and I could remember, recall that, I'll put it that way. And I'm just lucky, really lucky to have that going for me because it, that really paid off a lot of times. Chuck Berry. Yeah. Uh, I did a couple of Chuck Berry licks that you would never recognize, but I swear I got them. And then I wrote, uh, no, we did a song called Memories. Uh-huh. And uh, the intro I did on the banjo is a jello theme. Da, 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 da. It's that theme. <laughs> uh, and Burrow did a song. 
I can't remember the title of it now. But, uh, oh my gosh, uh, I wrote a song called Dandelion mm-hmm. that the piano on Merle's record starts off with those same notes, and I like that a great deal. So I used that on it, but then you'd never know it. What it's, disguised it. It's cool the, the way your bands are picking is it's almost like a, a mosaic of all these other influences. It and is. And you know how to how to how to restructure them and, and put them in a, in a way that that makes sense to yeah. whatever your the song that, or tune is. That's the secret of it is is to put a, to put that stuff together like in one one t- or one thing uh, Colonial Bread here in town had a commercial and so. That they had one line in there, and I thought, boy, that's nice. And so I'll use it, and I did. But you'd never, you, you would never recognize that. Yeah. Never. But the the, the I think the the best what is it attribute I think is the right word that I have would be to do all these other things that people did and put them together, and you'd never know. Yeah. One or the other. Sometimes you do one backward. You know, you hear a note and think, oh, that's nice, but I'll bet you could do it this way. And it'd be, and yeah. it just, everything was just. To take a little <laughs> bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's almost like a recipe, you know, like take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, kind of reorganize it, oh, restructure yeah. it, yeah. and make it turning into something completely new and different. Yeah. yeah. And it, most of it, that's where it came from. And, uh, I just, just like I said, I had the ability to, if I could hear it one time, I'd remember it forever, you know. Just, But right now, I've got so much in my head, it's about to drive me crazy. <laughs> Do you ever feel like the hustle and bustle of life keeps you from accomplishing your goals and staying on track? Have you ever felt exhausted at the end of the day, but yet feel like you've accomplished nothing? Help focus on your goals and stay on track with a self-journal from Best Self Co. Whether you're starting your own business, a college student, or you're just feeling overwhelmed with day-to-day life, the self-journal is packed with tools to help you get more done, with features including daily planning, a 13-week roadmap for your goals, inspirational quotes, daily and weekly habit tracking, and a place to record morning and evening gratitude. Best Self Co. offers a line of productivity tools to help you accomplish more. Check out all of their products at bestself.co. Use code Bluegrass to save 15% off of your first purchase. That's bestself.co, code Bluegrass to save 15% off your first purchase. So you've heard us talk about Samson's Hair Care's hair pomade with its all-day hold and signature smell. Now they have something for the other hair on your face, your beard. Fellas, I don't know about you, but I love sporting a beard. It makes me feel so manly, and let's face it, the ladies love it. However, what they don't love is a beard that's unkempt and out of control, and when you're scratching all day like a dog. That's where Samson's Hair Care can help you. They have a brand new beard balm and 
beard oil to help you regain control of your beard. The beard oil is all about stopping irritation. It makes the beard softer and moisturizes the skin underneath so you're not scratching all day. They also have their beard balm, which helps you regain control of your beard, help it lay the way it's supposed to so you don't have them wiry hairs sticking out, and it makes your beard softer as well. They have a brand new beard balm and beard oil at samsonshaircare.com, and they know that bluegrassers need to look sharp. So that's why if you use code bluegrass, you'll save 10% off, whether you want the beard oil, the beard balm, the Samson's Hair Care Pomade, or all three, check it out at samsonshaircare.com. Use code bluegrass to save 10% off. It's all at samsonshaircare.com, code bluegrass. And now back to Walls of Time. From all your years in the music business, what, what do you think is the, the, the biggest lesson that you learned? Oh, oh the, the most important thing is take care of yourself. Take get care. enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Always get enough sleep. Rest and take care of your body. You only got one, yeah. you know. Uh, I, think, I think that's the, the best thing. And if there's one thing that I, I really hate that I missed out on is an education. Really, I really, I wanted that more, I guess, than anything. And then another thing, if I could have been a piano player on the same level that I'm a banjo player, I'd given it all up for that. Really? Oh, I love a piano. Who's your favorite piano player? Oh, I don't know. the boy that, that played with Stan Kenton, um, Gary Burton, uh-huh. I think, yeah, Gary Burton. He did a jazz album, and he also plays vibes. And uh, he did a jazz album that I was on really? called Tennessee Firebird, yeah. And uh, boy, he, what he did on that, and, and by, the way he played, it, it just, it really made me stop to think. And they, he, he, he came to Nashville and wanted to fuse all this music together, including jazz. Yeah. And he, and it was kind of interesting. That's cool. kind of interesting. Uh, scary, but interesting. <laughs> but. Um, he would. He was. I like, really liked his playing. Uh, did you ever hear Roger Williams? I've heard that name. I feel like I. Roger Williams not, is a guy that originated the Floyd Kramer style oh, piano. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Matter of fact, he recorded Tennessee Waltz. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And it's good. He's he was very good. Yeah. Um, I like Ray Charles playing yeah. a great deal. I'm a huge Jerry Lee Lewis fan. So <laughs> Are you? Yeah. He's too wild. Too wild for you. Yeah. I mean he actually when you listen to him play, he really didn't wasn't playing. He was just banging on it. Okay. Uh you know who loved Jerry Lee? Dana Cup. Dana (laughs) Cup loves Jerry Lee. I liked him as a person. He always treated me and Bobby with respect and and uh, that's something not everybody can say. No, no. Oh, I've seen him do some things that 
just unbelievable. But he always respected me and Bobby. I mean, you know, it just, I don't know why, but he did. He'd bring me stuff if I needed it, and I'd take him stuff if he needed it. <laughs> <laughs> you can figure that out yourself. <laughs> um, if, uh, if you had to give me any advice to any um, new bands or new artists or new pickers about the, the, the bluegrass business, what would it be? Stay away from alcohol, stay away from pills, stay away from all kinds of drugs, marijuana, stay away from that stuff, completely away from it. Um, And take care of your body, take care of you, and uh, you'll be a lot more successful. You really will. It's hard to make it if you've got all that stuff going on. But... And and look at it as a business, not as a toy or a hobby. Yeah. Look at it as a business. I mean, that's what you do. That's what you are. Where where do you see bluegrass going in the future? I don't like what it's doing right now. Really? I don't know. What don't you like about it? I don't like the the vocals are not really. To me, they're too pop sounding. Uh, overproduced or, or not enough feeling or no, what? No, just they're, they don't learn enough. They, you know, just cutting the corners and like I told you, Bobby made you believe what he was what he was singing about quality. And tell me one today that's like that from today's bands, you know. Uh, what's that, Larry? Sparks. Yeah. They need to listen to that boy sing. <laughs> he can he can do it. He can bring it. Yeah. He can he can sure he can do that. Um, but tell me some newer guys that can do that, you can't. Mm-hmm. They just they they sing from right back of their throat here. Bobby sang from here. His heart, yeah. Oh yeah. Larry sang from there. Yeah. He feels it what he's singing. Uh the players, they don't, like banjo players, they're not into tone as much as we older guys were. Uh, they, they are, when they learn something, they don't learn it completely. They just scratch the surface and they don't dig down and understand why this note is like this, or why that's like that, and they don't learn every note. They just they don't they don't learn the depth of material. They just learn the, the crust. The, the crust. Okay. That's all they learn, and they figure when they get that done, they're 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 a quote banjo player unquote, mm-hmm. which they're not. I haven't heard anybody of the new guys that I'd really like to hear play. Charlie Cushman's a good player. Uh, Tom Adams, well, he's not playing anymore, though. Tom Adams is a good player. Your dad's a great player. I like to hear your dad play because he, he will do a great deal of what I did because you'll hear something old and then right against that is a new thing that he does himself mm-hmm. that's it's important to me that is 
But uh, they what, doing the doing mixing the old and the new. Yeah. Why do you think that's important? Whether in banjo picking or just means in the music that you own in general. It. You huh? know, Joe, like Joe, uh, I've heard him do. Like I can't even remember a song right now, but I've heard him do things that came from the fifties, and then he'll do something that he, of his own yeah. and add to it. And uh, he owns it. That's him. Mm-hmm. That's him. Uh, I like Sammy Sheeler's playing because Sammy don't play like anybody. Mm-hmm. He plays like him. Uh, but the Bill Emersons and the Scruggs and Kenny Ingram can't play anymore. I mean, they're all gone. Yeah, They're gone. Kind of a sad day when you get to thinking about it, but we did what we could. We could, and then it's up to them now. <laughs> oh, me. As we look ahead to 2020, there's one place you need to go to make sure you maximize your time and your potential. BestSelf.com. Co. Best Self Co. provides all sorts of productivity tools to help you get the most out of your day and your year. Right now in my office, I'm looking at a wall calendar from Best Self Co. that I've used all year long, and it's a great way to see where you've been and where you're going, and you know that I've got a uh, 2021 in the wings ready to go for when uh, the ball drops on New Year's Eve. Get the Best Self Planner, brand new six-month productivity tool to help you break down uh, your months and your weeks and get the most out of your time. They also have a best self journal that you've heard Santana talk about. It's made in 13 week increments, perfect for the college student or someone that's just looking to achieve more on the clock and off the clock. Check out the best self journal, best self planner, their wall calendar, their weekly action plans that I use at the beginning of the week to make sure I have all of my to-do lists in check. They have project action guides and so much more bestself.co that's bestself.co use code bluegrass to save 15 percent off your first purchase as we look to maximize 2020 let's all do it together go to bestself.co use code bluegrass to save 15 percent off your first purchase musically if you had to give any advice to the the new the new generation of bluegrass what would it be what what would you tell them to focus in on or, or listen get busy to. and learn 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 what what whatever they're trying to do if they're trying to do what we did or flatten scrubs did or monroe did or the Louvens, anything like that learn what they did i mean you know learn every note of what they did yeah. and then if you want to add to it that's good but you still can do what they did yeah that's important because those are the guys that set the bar well, and that's like you were talking about yourself, just yeah. in, in banjo picking. You learned what Earl did, and then you added to it. Or even y'all and your singing, you know, you guys are big Charlie and Ira fans, but you didn't set out to sound just yeah. like Charlie and Ira. You did different stuff. We learned what they were doing, though. Yeah. We knew exactly what they were doing. Absolutely. Boy, they have to do it, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. Did you see my shirt, by the way? Mentioned the Lubin Brothers. Where'd you get that? I got the the Hall of Fame uh, a few years ago. Oh. They 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 have them for sale in the gift shop. It's got the whole cover on it there. You know, he made that 
devil there. Yeah. It's card or um. It's like what nine foot tall or something. Yeah, yeah. I saw it plywood. Really? Oh yeah. Where'd you see it? At his house. Really? Yeah, at his house. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, they gathered that wood up and set it on fire, and that's where that picture came from. Yeah, I heard that that they lit some tires on fire too to they get that glow, that. so it didn't get out of control. You know, they might have done that. Well, he was messed up. <laughs> You'd have to be messed up to come up with something like that. Ira was messed up bad. Really? Yeah. Alcohol. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It's ruined a whole bunch. Jones, George Jones. Hank and Carter and Keith and a bunch of them. Yeah. Unreal. Mm-mm. All right. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Welcome back to the Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast. I'm Daniel Mullins, here with my co-producer, Ty Gilpin. And we are glad to feature part two of our conversation with Bluegrass Hall of Famer Sonny Osborne. Sonny gets very personal in this uh, second part of our conversation that we recorded on a uh, rainy Saturday afternoon on his back porch near Nashville, Tennessee. And he gets really deep and even opened up about his own struggles with addiction. I thought that was very powerful for him to talk about things that he struggled with while on the road and uh, trying to deal with uh, the pressures that come with uh, success in the music business. Yeah, I thought that was a great question for you to ask about lessons that he has learned from his long career, how to take care of yourself. He said he mentioned that he regretted missing out on uh, an education and his relationship with... uh, alcohol and how we overcame that. But I just think that makes him uh, a stronger, more powerful legend in the business. You know, everybody goes through trials and tribulations in the music business and to survive them and come out on the other end and to still create all the great art that he did um, as a great banjo player in the Osborne Brothers. I just think that's just part of the enriching of his story. Yeah, part of what makes Sonny such a compelling figure in the world of bluegrass and beyond is how he's so open, both with his story and with his opinions. And we uh, got into some of uh, Sonny's thoughts and and opinions on uh, music today and bluegrass and country in uh, today's world, and I thought he shared some very interesting uh, thoughts and a very unique perspective on his take on today's bluegrass. Yeah, he was pretty frank about it. You know, he uh, some directions he... Things are positive. A lot of things he said he didn't like. Um, Vocals, uh, players that uh, aren't paying enough attention to tone, players that are cutting too many corners. That was a great advice from such a legendary artist like him to uh, things not to do and things to do, like listen to more Larry Sparks. (laughs) Anytime you can get Sonny Osborne talking about loving Larry Sparks, it's a good day. It's just good for everybody, right? Absolutely. And his advice to new players, you know, get busy, learn, um, put a lot of hard work into it, and add to what the founders of the music did, expand on that. And uh, like you said, don't don't cut corners. Express yourself, do your own thing, but uh, build on something that has a strong foundation, which is what those guys all did. And uh, that's why they are Bluegrass Hall of Famers now and living legends. 
Yep, that's why uh, folks like the Osborne Brothers are some of the best and some of the earliest members of the Bluegrass Music Hall of Fame. Uh, Sonny Osborne, even a founding member of the International Bluegrass Music Association. Oh, thank you so much for joining us for this first season of the Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast. I don't know about you, Ty, but I've had a blast, and it's been such a great learning experience as we dive into this new world of podcasting and bringing the stories these bluegrass leaders and legends uh, to new audiences through a, a new medium. Sure, and we've had no idea what we've been doing the entire time. We just knew that we loved uh, these legends and we loved these musicians that um, both created and are shaping um, the bluegrass genre. And we're so glad we were able to talk to um, first generation, current generation, and all folks in between. And we hope that everyone out there has learned a little bit about uh, both the genres, about the people who created it, about the culture of roots music and bluegrass music. Even if you didn't start out as a bluegrass fan, hopefully you've heard some of these podcasts and have understood a little bit more about where this music comes from and what's important about it and why those of us who are big bluegrass fans love this music so much. I hope that was some insight for you guys, and it definitely was for me. I want to thank you, Daniel, for doing such a great job going out and getting with these folks, sitting down with them, and getting them to talk about things that they may not have normally shared with listeners if they were doing a, a interview promoting an album or something like that, but sitting across from them at a, at a dinner table or out back of a festival or on a bus or in a car where they can really uh, share a little bit more about uh, their heart and their journey and why this music is important to them. I want to thank you for doing such a great job and I look so forward to who you bring to the table in season two. Well, thank you, Ty. It's been a real privilege and an honor to get to have these sit-down, first-hand interviews with some of the leaders and legends in bluegrass music. We will have a Season 2 preview episode for folks before too long. They can get a little sneak peek of some of the names uh, that we'll be... uh, bringing to the Walls of Time Bluegrass podcast in Season 2. Uh, be sure to uh, subscribe to the Walls of Time Bluegrass podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you enjoy podcasts. That way, you do not miss an episode. When we return with Season 2, hey, who knows? We may even have a few bonus episodes between now and then. Make sure you don't miss them by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the Walls of Time Bluegrass podcast. Where can folks keep up to date and connect with us on social media tie connect with us on facebook at walls of time podcast connect with us at walls of time podcast.com and walls of time pod on twitter and of course we're going to keep updating our spotify playlists so that you guys can hear more and more of this great music that we've been covering throughout all these episodes so follow us there on spotify as well And if folks have any questions for Ty or I or any comments, you can email us as well, info at wallsoftimepodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. In the meantime, until we return, thanks for listening to the Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast. Walls of Time Bluegrass Podcast is produced by Ty Gilpin and Daniel Mullins, edited by Daniel Mullins, and is a production of Blue Poncho Media. Visit wallsoftimepodcast.com for more information.